our topic based on the learning how to learn Vadim, which there were a number of at the beginning of the year. And then we had a time to look at each slide separately. We began the process of explaining how the Gemara develops one's way of thinking, why the Gemara brings different opinions, Machtaikas, and a lot of backgrounds to understanding how a person remembers actively, passively. The match that is all good background. There's more and more of a bikush, of a request. People want to be able to apply the principles of Maisa, and therefore the reason for today's share is to run through the seven principles, what I'd like to call, of learning Bikis. Learning Iyun has its own rules, we'll talk about that another time. Learning Halakha has its own rules. Learning Musa has its own rules. Those can all be spoken about separately. Now we're talking about learning Gemara in a way which is most effective to understand what the Gemara is saying, to clarify what the Gemara is saying, and hopefully to help us remember what the Gemara is saying. Again, the main point is that learning Gemara shouldn't be something which we look at as being impossible to memorize or master. On the contrary, our goal, our tachis we're trying to reach or learning is to know the Torah. Especially if we're talking about learning Bikis, then the focus is on amassing a certain amount of Torah information. It's not just the point of learning to forget, it's the point of learning to have a base, so to speak, that we've amassed for ourselves of Torah. And therefore, learning in a way which a person learns and does or doesn't understand, but definitely doesn't remember, isn't effective, it's not what we're trying to achieve. Even though Iun brings with its own level of learning, but the point of learning Bikiyas is to make the mitzvah of Yudhiya Satara, which means knowledge of Torah, and that is a clarity of what the, what the Torah says, and hopefully the tools to help us remember what the Torah says. And therefore we're going to go through a systematic mahalach in learning Gemara, which hopefully helps with this. Some of the points we've already made in the Vadim, which you guys heard at the beginning of the year. And if that's the case, it's just a good Chazara. Obviously, to try and fit everything into one share, we're going to mention all the points more briefly, and we'll number them. So it's a very quick reference guide, and also a very clear, so to speak, list of points to do, to remember, when you're learning. Okay, so the first point, um, which comes to learning, is even before a person learns, and that is a person's focus on what he's doing. If a person's mind isn't focused on his learning, he can be reading the words that don't penetrate. If he's too tired, they don't understand. He can see the letters in front of him, they don't make an impact. And the same thing if a person has other things on his mind. The Gemara already says if a person's torahed, which means he's worried about other things, or that's where his focus is, he's not going to be able to focus on learning. And therefore, the first point we need in order to be able to sit and learn is that forever, whatever amount of time it is that a person's now earmarked for Seder, so that's what he's going to do. He's going to learn, and nothing else is going to interfere with that, disturb him, interrupt him, not his friends, not his chavrosa, not the person behind him, not his phone, obviously. Uh, even not the things he was thinking about before, the things he has to know that knows about that he has to take care of afterwards. Time for learning should be a time where my mind is fo- fully focused on my learning. That gives me the best opportunity to think about and absorb what I'm learning. And the Gemara says about Rabbi Yechadon that one time he had a tear that he was worried about the money that was stolen from him. And as a result, he wasn't able to focus fully on his learning. And it impacted badly on his ability to learn. So that was the great Rabbi Yechadon, Kabbalah for us. That we want to be able to learn in an open, in a way that you have no tears, nothing else to think about, to worry about, 
And that maybe you can be fully focused on learning well. The truth is that here also the rule which the Shulchanara talks about davening applies, and that is a little bit which is done with full concentration and focus in the long run is more effective as a way to learn than more time in which a person isn't able to focus. Just a short story on this point, I remember many years ago I was in London and I was learning the Chavrusa with a certain Rav, very popular Rav, and uh, the way it worked is until 10 o'clock he used to answer people's shyness, 10 o'clock he used to finish, close his door, and then we used to sit and learn together. And sometimes I was sitting with him, so I came a bit early, I was sitting in the side room and I overheard a few of the shaylas. They weren't the simple kind of shayla, which is a one minute answer, they were people's personal problems and tragedies, which needed a lot of emotional resources to deal with, a lot of makshava, how best to advise people. But nevertheless, when the last person left and we opened the bavakama, straight away he would be fully focused on whatever tosis or sugi we were learning. And I was asking him, and I said to him, uh, Rebelli, explain to me, you were so involved in people's problems, and that's, whether it's illness, whether it's family tragedy, whatever it's going to be. How do you manage to completely block it out the second that the person leaves, and now you can focus completely on the Gemara? So the Surah of closes Gemara, and he said, I want to tell you a lesson, and remember this for your whole life. He said, it'll be the most important lesson you learn if you ever become a Rav yourself. And I'll just say parenthetically, in the hindsight of over 20 years, I think he's probably right. And he said, if you don't learn the skill of blocking everything else out of your mind when you learn, so that you're able to learn, then you'll never learn again. When a person is dealing with the Taurus of the Tzibur, and he's dealing with so many other things, and juggling so many responsibilities, and taking care of so many issues, and they're all vying for a place of his mind, if they're all going to be in his mind, he'll never be able to find the the focus to be able to sit and learn. He said, if you don't develop the skill, that when you're learning, now the only thing I'm thinking about is my learning. Every problem, every tzara, every communal responsibility, everyone's uh, individual story is on hold until I'm finished. So then I won't be able to learn properly. And he's 100% right. The first side in learning is to be able to focus on what I'm learning. Now, that's number one. Number two, it's really an extension of the same principle, and that is focus doesn't just mean not thinking about outside topics or thinking about other conversations or other activities which aren't negated to learning. There's focus within learning also, which means even in a topic I'm learning, I want to be focused now on what the point I want to learn. The Maharal writes in the Siva Torah, he writes it very sharply, he says he doesn't know why the printers published Tosis on the same page as Legumar. Says the Maral, he considers Tosis to be a distraction. Because because it's there and people see the bold uh, heading, the Dibra Maskil, so they're tempted to look at it, when that's not what they're meant to be doing right now. Right now, the first time a person learns is meant to be learning the Gemara, maybe Gemara with Rashi, and that's all. Don't lose focus to go off track to other things. He mentioned this in one of the previous Vadim, and that is the first rule for learning. When the person's already now focused and sitting down to learn, is learn whatever it is you're learning now, but don't get sidetracked in the middle to look at other things. If I'm learning the Mishnah, I'm learning the Gemara, so now our focus is understanding the Gemara. I have a question, I see the similar to Kiva Ege talks about it, I see the Dibra Maskal of Tosfus, it's irrelevant. Looking around is going to take me off topic. 
And then I'll lose, what, I'll lose what the Gemara is saying. Right now, my interest is knowing what does the Gemara is saying. Be'ez Hashem. Once that's clarified, I'll go on to the next step. But don't lose focus. Don't get sidetracked by discussing points, asking questions, looking for answers, looking up Mephoshim. All these things just take a person's focus off what the Gemara is saying. And the net result is just that he doesn't, he never gets another Gemara because it was too disjointed. It was a few words of a Mishnah with a Shaida. And a few words of a Mishnah with a Maramaka. And a few more words with something to look up. And now try and put all those few words here and a few words there together to make a coherence and the reading of a Mishnah. People have forgotten what was going on. The, the Gemara just becomes, you know, heading words for Sugis and Nachrani. But the Gemara also has what to say. And therefore, if a person wants to know what the Gemara says, the first point is, focus on the Gemara. It's the basis for our learning, and without a clarity in the Gemara, nothing else is going to make sense later. And the Gemara says, the Gemara says, it's talking about the Mishnah, that in Re'isa Talmud, Shetamud Ha'ikoshalav, if you find someone who's having a difficult time with the Iyun, you should know it's Biyadosh, and it's not a Mishnah. So he never had the Bukiyas clear. If a person knows the basis, then everything else fits into place. If a person never got the basis clear, then nothing else makes sense. And therefore, the second rule, when it comes to focusing, is, Yes, focus is important, not just on learning, but on what you're learning. I always give the example, when people learn Shulchan Aruch, and then they see the eyes of the Mishnaburah, they read the Mishnaburah, and they see the star of the Biralach, they read the Biralach, and it's all good, but then they get completely confused. What did the Shulchan Aruch say? And what did the Ramah say? And what did the Rav Mishnaburah say? Because if you learn it all together, it all gets taken in as one big mass of tangled information, and it all makes a confusion in a person's mind. If a person's learning the Shulchan Aruch, so first, what's the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch? Give him a chance. Don't interrupt him in the middle to see what comments were made on the way. Let him finish the whole paragraph that he wanted to say, and then, then say, this is the opinion of the Mechaveh. Now, is there a Ramah? Let's follow the Ramah until the end. Listen to what he says. What's the opinion of the Ramah? Now we can go back. What does the Mishnah have to add to that? What does he want to Is he coming to give another opinion? Is he coming to give added explanation? Is he coming to disagree? And then we have a third category, the opinion of the Mishnah And saying in the Gemara. If the Gemara is talking, give the Gemara a chance to talk. What does the Gemara say? Until the end of what the Gemara is to say. And then I know. Before I look at any of before I look into more depth or detail, what's the opinion of the Gemara? So we're going to call this our second rule. Our second rule is to maintain a certain a certain clarity. Who am I learning and what does he say? And everyone else, they'll wait. We'll get to them too. The stipler, as I said in the previous slide, the stipler gave this advice. So when you learn something, you have a question, write it down so you don't forget it, but don't spend time to look up answers or to think about it. That's not what you're trying to do right now. Right now, your point is to know what the Gemara said, and the questions we'll deal with later. So that's our second. The third point, this is, I think, the most important one, and that is the clarity. When a person learns something and he's not clear, he's not going to become more clear. If anything, he'll become less clear, or at best, remain unclear. And then he'll never know. When a person's not clear on, he won't remember. And he definitely won't be able to use as a basis for information because he was never, it was never a basis. It was never something which was clear to him. And therefore, here's the main point where I feel most people are making a mistake. And that is, they read the Gemara. They understood and translated word by word what it said. They never took the extra step to clarify. So what's the Gemara saying? I can translate all the words, so I can put together the sentence, and I can understand the Gemara is asking a question, bringing an answer, bringing a proof, disproving it, whatever it is. 
But the clarity has to come from, so what's the Gemara trying to do? Where's the Gemara going? Is the Gemara trying to prove something? Is the Gemara trying to ask something? Is the Gemara trying to disprove something? Is the Gemara bringing it to as a, as a raya or as a question on one of the sides of an argument? And that's an important point. And I call this following the flow of the Gemara. Following the flow of the Gemara. It's not just being able to translate the words of the Gemara. That's the first thing. If I can't read the Aramaic, I don't know what it's saying. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. It's not just reading and translating. Once I've read and translated, now the next step is follow the flow of the argument. What's the Gemara doing? In other words, we're trying to go somewhere. And where's the Gemara trying to go? And then it get there. Sometimes the Gemara is trying to answer a question, and it does. Sometimes the Gemara is trying to answer a question, and it doesn't. Sometimes the Gemara is bringing a proof, and the proof is accepted. Sometimes the Gemara is bringing a proof, and the proof is rejected. And therefore, the next thing to pay attention to while I'm learning the Gemara is keep track of what's going on. It should be clear. We said in the previous slide, I'll just repeat the point, and that is most people claim they have difficulty remembering when they stop learning. They have difficulty remembering what the Gemara says. There's two reasons for this. Not what people think. People blame it on having a bad memory, and that's not the case. A bad memory means that some time later I don't long, no longer remember the details. But unfortunately what you'll find is when people are finished learning, they've just spent an hour or more learning a sugi, learning a tosis, and now you ask them, what did you just learn? They won't remember. That's not a memory problem. Nobody forgets what they learned an hour ago. It's a clarity problem, which means they never knew. It was never clear in the first place what they learned, so of course they can't remember it afterwards. But it's not an issue of memory. It's an issue of lack of clarity. And therefore the answer to this is the more clear it is to me what, what what's being said and what the Gemara has done, the better I'll have the basis of the information that the Gemara is giving me. And this brings us to step three. And this also we've given about it before, I'm just repeating it as part of the sequence. And that is, once you've done that, close the Gemara and say outside what happened. In your own minds, rebuild the flow of the Sukkot. The Gemara brought a question, the Gemara brought an answer. The Gemara brought a, one opinion, a second opinion, explained the Machlaikas, brought a proof, disproved it, whatever it's going to be. And again, this shouldn't be difficult. If the Gemara was clear to me when I learned it inside, then I'm doing this a few minutes afterwards. I, I won't have forgotten by then. If the Gemara was clear to me when I learned it, then the outside revision should be quick and easy. And if it's not, it's a similar that the Gemara was not clear to me. Go back and learn it again. At least this time, focus on what's not clear. I understood the question, but I can't understand how the, how the Gemara answered it. Or oh, I understood the one side, I can't understand the other. So trying to re- repeat the Suge outside is a way for me to test myself. Can I reconstruct the Suge from my mind? Which means are all the points clear. Now, two points to add here. There's no purpose at this stage on repeating the Gemara outside word for word. That's a way of, of revision which is letter perfect perhaps, but doesn't prove that I've understood. I could memorize a string of words which mean nothing to me and won't understand anything, except for knowing that this is a sequence of the words. And therefore the Ikkabimali here isn't the Mbalpeh of knowing the words of the Gemara off by heart, but it's more like being able to say outside, step by step, what the Gemara said. Preferably in my own words. That way I understand it. That way I can explain it better. And the second point, and this we spoke about in the previous slide, 
that I'm using my mind actively instead of passively. When I'm reading the Gemara, even if I'm taking it in, it's passively. The words are in front of me, I'm just seeing them and remembering them. When the words are not in front of me, now I have to reconstruct, so to speak, the sequence in my mind by myself. So it's doing a much bigger, uh, so to speak, way of entrenching it into my subconscious, into my memory, because now I have to actively rebuild the sukkah. Okay, so I've learned a piece of Gemara. I focused on it. I followed it step by step. I can now close the Gemara and say outside, step by step, what the Gemara did. This is already a tremendous achievement. This is already a tremendous achievement. It means at this stage, I know what the Gemara said. I know the sukkah well, well enough to be able to explain outside, step by step, what the Gemara said. Now, once we've done that, we come to the fourth stage. And the fourth stage is basically providing more than just what's step by step throughout the Gemara, but providing the frame, if you want, or the background around the Gemara. In other words, now I'm looking to see and I'll, to reframe the Gemara in terms of a sugi, which means, what was the Gemara's question? When the Gemara asked the question, what was the Gemara thinking? And what did the Gemara answer? What changed? Did the Gemara not have a certain piece of information and the Gemara's answer provided that information? Was the Gemara thinking one thing in the question and the Gemara changed its minds and thinks something different in the answer? Was the Gemara asking the question based on one opinion and the Gemara's answer became according to a different opinion? What changed? What changed? If I'm going to follow the style of the Gemara, what we call in Hebrew the Havamin and the Maskana, the starting point and the conclusion, the Shakli Vitaria, the give and take of the Sugya, what changed? What, 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 was the, what was the position at the beginning and what remains the same at the end? Did we change the case? Did we change the halacha? Did we change the facts? What, what changed in the sugya between the beginning point and the end point? Or maybe nothing changed. And if the Gemara is a sugya with his two opinions, they're the same thing. What are they arguing about? Are they arguing because they're coming from different ways of reading a pasuk, different points in logic, different proofs from the sugya, and then did the Gemara prove them or disprove them? The Gemara remains neutral. The Gemara didn't disprove or prove anything. It's only when the person's first got the sugi clear that it's hard to ask these kind of questions. Because if the sugi is not clear, then a the person doesn't know well enough what's going on to be able to now try and follow the sugi outside. But when a person has the shakla vitariya clear, when a person has the flow of the Gemara clear, so you can say step by step what happened, now you can go back and analyze each step. And that is, What's, what changed at the stage of the Gemara? What's the Gemara saying now? Different than what it said before. When the Gemara continues the Sugya, do you conclude with the same axioms you started with? Or was there Salkadatach in the beginning what we thought? And we changed our mind about in the end. And once again, now's not the time to give the whole explanation of why the Gemara is constructed in a way which makes a person's mind learn how to think. The Gemara doesn't spell this out for you. You have to follow this process yourself. You have to follow yourself the process of the question and answer, what's changing, the two sides, what's the point of contention, the Kodos and Mechlekes, what we call. What, where, is the Gemara being Mechadish something uh, in the answer, or is the Gemara assuming something in the question, which the Gemara then says is no right, you had no right to assume. Whatever it is, it's the building blocks of the Sugi. I'm still calling this Pekis. Yes, it's more than just knowing what the Gemara said, it's putting into context of the Sugi. But I'm still calling this Bakiyas. I'm still calling this Bakiyas because the point of Bakiyas is to get a broad base of Torah information, and that's really what I'm doing.
So this is the Bekis. We now have a clear understanding, not just of the given type of the Gemara, but also of the Sugi of the Gemara. The Sugi meaning where the Gemara began from, where the Gemara ended, how the Gemara left off. And uh, we can now summarize, let's say, not just the Gemara's discussion, but also the Gemara's conclusion. And this is important. Part of ours, we're going to explain in the next part, Be'ez Hashem, part of what we want to come out of a circus with is, what was the Gemara's final point? What was the Maskana? What are we left with? It's good to know all the give and take. It's good to know all the, the Havamendas as well, the assumptions. But Be'ekah, we want to know the Maskana. Getting this clear only comes from understanding the Sugya. Very often, if a person is just flowing, following the flow of the Gemara, they'll suddenly wake up and say, but one second, the Gemara left the question unanswered. One second, the Gemara went off topic and never got back on topic again. And like we explained in the value, we explained how the Gemara was structured. There's a reason for that. If a person wants to know, so therefore, what does the Gemara say? A person has to rethink through the Sugya. Rethink through the Sugya. And come to a, a certain clarity. What did the Gemara start with? What did the Gemara end with? What are, we, what are we taking out of the Sugya with us? Okay, so that's our second, that's our, our first part of this discussion. Again, we'll repeat the rules we spoke around this, the four of them. Number one, the focus. Number two, clarity. Number three, being able to follow the sugya outside step by step. And number four, once I've done that, to then develop it into a sugya. To be able to see the whole picture of what happened in the Gemara and what are we left with. That's our first, let's say, key point to that. And then he